News Talk Lunchtime with Jonathan Healy. Thanks to Vodafone. Think forward, get ahead with Vodafone Red Business. Our next guest was the subject of a BBC Spotlight programme this week. Maria Cahill claims she was raped as a teenager by a member of the IRA. The man was never convicted and to this day vehemently denies the allegations. Maria Cahill claims she was interrogated and silenced by IRA leadership about whether she or her abuser was telling the truth. The Sinn Féin leader and now TD for Louth, Jerry Adams, admits he had a conversation with Maria about the allegations, but he denies the claim she made on the programme that Mr Adams said sometimes people who are abused enjoy the ordeal. A little earlier I spoke with Maria and started by asking her what age she was when the abuse occurred. Um, I, it was just um, a few months after my 16th birthday, Jonathan. And I had just finished doing my GCSEs. So pretty young. Let's go back to the late 90s when, when the abuse happened. Why didn't you go to what was then the OUC? I think you have to take it in, in the time that we were living in. Um, first of all, I came from a Republican family. Um, there was a deep mistrust of the police in the North at that time. And when we're talking about a time where um, the IRA were still active. And the man who is alleged, and I have to use that term legally, to have abused me um, was a senior figure in the IRA punishment squad in West Belfast. And the punishment squad basically were were those people who were tasked with meeting out enforcement to people in the community. So effectively, he was working on behalf of the IRA as their police force only. Um, uh, That particular squad dealt with kneecappings and and beatings for petty crime. So So I didn't have any option really to go to the police because... A, I don't, I mean, there are people who aren't in that situation who take 30 and 40 years to disclose abuse at all, um, never mind go to the police to give a witness statement. And, and secondly, had I done so, um, you know, I would have been in deep, deep trouble with Republicans in that area for naming an IRA man as a sexual abuser. And who did you go to in the end? I disclosed to, um, first of all, to a cousin of mine in in the context of thinking I was pregnant as a result of rape to that man. And I was in in bits. I couldn't cope. And when I disclosed to her, um, that was a way of alleviating some of the pressure that I was under by telling another female. I then subsequently disclosed to, who's now a Sinn Féin politician, um, again in the context of not being able to cope with what was happening to me and needing to speak to someone. And I disclosed to a friend um, who was also a former um, IRA woman. And none of those women told me to go and report it to the police. In fact, they didn't even tell me to report it to my own parents. And you have to remember, I was a minor at the time of the abuse. Jerry Adams was aware of my um, allegations in 2000. And he failed to report it within the party structures. It was open secret what was happening to me. The IRA eventually did something. What did they do? Shortly after I'd finished my A-levels in school, um, I was in a, a Sinn Féin party office when one of those IRA women came into that office and, and said, we need to see you tonight and wouldn't tell me what it was about. And followed on then from that first meeting was that they introduced themselves as being there from the IRA and... Um, and forced me into a situation where they they initiated, in their terms, an investigation for a period of six months. And they repeatedly questioned me, and I I have likened it to interrogation because that's exactly what it felt like. I was petrified, um, very, very scared. 
I mean, if you, you can imagine an 18-year-old who has, has just come out of childhood, who has already been traumatised deeply by the sexual abuse that she has suffered, and, and those people completely re-traumatised me by involving themselves in something which had absolutely nothing to do with them and instructed me that I was not allowed to tell anybody that they had become involved. So they further abused me and, and I had to keep silent about that and I wasn't allowed to go and seek help or um, speak to anybody else about that. And it culminated in, um, at around the six-month period in a forced confrontation with the man who, who I had alleged to have abused me. Um, they, put you you know, the they, sa- they put you in the same room as him? They did. They came and informed me that they were taking me to uh, a flat and they walked him in and he came in with a man who is, is well known as being a member of the IRA. I mean, it started a, a hours um, of them allowing the abuser to verbally attack me um, and it, it ended when I got angry then because I, basically I, was, I, I sat in shock and, and the man... I was forced to write down um, some incidents of the abuse and they gave those bits of paper to that man and allowed him to read those very personal details back to me in front of those other three IRA members. And he was then allowed to, to call me things. And I can't use the language that that he used, obviously, on a daytime radio show. Um, and at the point then where, where I got angry and said to him, you know, I, I'm not even asking here for for anything to happen to you but I, you know and I know what happened and I want you to tell these people and admit what you have done I don't even want an apology for you for what you have done to me but I want you to admit it and when he didn't do so I became angry and the IRA took me out of the living room of that flat and one of them said to me well you're clearly very angry and I, the meeting then was ended and I was instructed that I couldn't tell anybody and they then decided that they would Involved two people and they sent those two people down, um, I think around a day or two later, um, down to my parents with me um, to tell my parents that I had been abused and that they had investigated it. So I didn't even have a choice in when to disclose that to my own mother and father and that, again, was a very, very damaging thing um, and, and very frightening for them to have um, that disclosed to them in that way. Maria, you described it as a kangaroo court. Well, that's exactly what it was. I mean, those people took it upon themselves to illegally investigate um, a case of child sexual abuse. This isn't a secret in West Belfast, Jonathan. This has been out from 2000, um, from from around a week after Jerry Adams learned of these allegations. Everybody knew it happened and nobody thought to say it was wrong. You mentioned Jerry Adams. Mm-hmm. When did you meet him first to discuss this? He came to me and said, um, do you want to see me about this? And I said no. And he walked away and he came back again around 10 minutes later and he arranged a meeting himself for about two days' time. And I agreed to go and see him. And I did go and see him. And Jerry's statement where he that he has released now saying that he met me at the behest of my cousin Siobhan O'Hannon. Um, I mean, Jerry, I'm very clear about the fact of who arranged that meeting. And the man who arranged that meeting was Jerry Adams. When you went into that room, first of all, did you have any expectation? And second of all, what did happen? No, well, I was in complete and deep trauma. I mean, again, I was 19 But I had really been living in trauma from the age of 16 years old. And, you know, I had already gone through the trauma of the abuse. I then had to go through the trauma of two forced IRA investigations into this matter because other people disclosed 
alleged abuse of the same man and they reopened the second investigation and they put that man under house arrest and then he disappeared um, their term five days later. At that point, I was working um, for Sinn Féin. I knew Jerry Adams well. I didn't have any expectation other than the fact that he called the meeting. So I suppose the expectation was that he would set the agenda and, and that he would decide what was discussed. He insisted it was a one-on-one meeting, i.e. that nobody would be there to accompany me. I agreed to that. And it was the first of a series of meetings. And in fact, I actually met with Jerry Adams right through from 2000 until 2006 on this matter. Jerry had acute knowledge of what I was alleging happened to me, both at the hands of the IRN. He, t- he, he absolutely had knowledge for that. In fact, he apologised on behalf of the Republican movement for the way in which I had been dealt with by those people. He also had acute knowledge of the abuse, and I think this is important because Jerry Adams at that time was an MP also for the area in which I was living in, and he had a duty to report those matters to the police, and he did not do so. Was he trying to help you, though? In his well, I think at times he did come across um, as sympathetic. I mean, the, the, the line, which I it actually made me feel sick now, but at the time, again, you know, I swallowed every line he uttered. And, and that line, you know, I love you and we love you and you need to look after yourself and you know you can come to us at any time, um, was also contrasted with other comments which he made. And I completely stand over them. You know, I did go out and tell someone immediately after that meeting what he had said. Uh, that person will confirm it, I'm sure. And he talked about his knowledge of sexual abuse, the damage that it could do to people. And his office um, faced out onto the Falls Road. And at that time, there were tourist buses would go up and down. And I remember he, he left one um, end of the room and came around and sat pulled up a chair on the right-hand side of me. So I was looking past him out the window. And a tourist bus turned up. And I, I do remember that surreal feeling of, you know, these people are outside in this bus taking photographs at this office. And I'm sitting here with Jerry, And I really have no idea, you know, what has just happened over, over the last amount of years. I think I was in complete headspin um, at that time and, and extremely vulnerable. And Jerry said... Um, you know, abusers can be manipulative and he put his hand up um, to his chin and, and kind of stroked his beard a bit. And he said, and you know, um, sometimes uh, they can be that manipulative that sometimes the people abused can actually enjoy it. And I looked at him almost in disbelief and said to him, well, I didn't enjoy it. And the meeting at that point was over. I, I stood up and he said, give me a hug. And uh, I, I did. And I, I left the room. I think, in complete shock. But I think the point about that first meeting and the subsequent meetings was that they were at his request. Um, and they were always at his request, even the last one in 2006, and I, I am sure his secretary, Paula McManus, can confirm this. They proactively sought me. In fact, they rang a third person to ask me would I go and meet him. And at that point in 2006, I actually refused again and said, no, I'll see Jerry when I'm ready to see him. And I did go and see him. Um, shortly into 2006 and had a very heated meeting and um, accused them all and uh, collectively the IRA and Sinn Féin of um, deliberately involving themselves in my life in deeply personal matters of turning my life and my head upside down and he again apologised on behalf of the Republican movement in its entirety for what happened and I asked him for a guarantee at that time that this was an isolated case, that it hadn't happened to other people and it wouldn't happen again. And I was very consciously strong about that. And he gave me that guarantee. So when I then saw Anya Adams on the television in 2009, I 
saw that, realised that I was not an isolated case, went to pieces very, very quickly, got very angry and um, gave an interview to Suzanne Breen in the Sunday Tribune shortly after um, in order to air the issue um, and and tell um, what happened to me. And at that point, Gerry Adams did not deny um, that he had met me. He did not deny that the IRA had been involved. But he did say in a live interview on, on, on the BBC with Conor McCauley that in his opinion, the two IRA men had been, quote, grievously wronged. And I think that's shocking. And I think Jerry needs to publicly now apologise to all of those victims who have been in similar situations. His apology, personally, to me, meant absolutely nothing. But I think we're at the point now where Jerry needs to take responsibility for his actions, where Sinn Féin need to take responsibility for their actions. And I note that Mary Lou Macdonald issued a statement a few years back calling on, on anybody who had information in relation to abuse and who covered it up to be prosecuted within the full rigours of the law. And actually, I would call on Mary Lou Macdonald to come and meet me because I know she has knowledge of my case and I'm challenging her to call within her party for those people to be arrested and prosecuted for covering up for child sexual abuse. I just want to put Jerry Adams' statement to you. He issued a statement after the programme, the Spotlight programme, saying, in the Spotlight programme, Maria Cowell made an accusation relating to a meeting with myself. I totally refute the allegations Maria made about our conversation. I met her in good faith at the behest of her cousin and my late friend Siobhan O'Hanlon. When I learned of the allegation of abuse from Siobhan, she told me Maria was refusing to go to the RUC. Siobhan and I met with Joe Cahill, who was Maria's uncle. We told Joe of the allegation and asked him to speak to Maria about reporting this to the RUC. He did so and Maria did not want to do this at that time. I have contacted my solicitor with regard to the allegations made against me in the Spotlight programme. What do you make of Mr Adams' statement? Well, I think it's predictable. I'm angry. I'm very hurt. Um, He has been more than economical with the truth. And I'll just take you through that statement, Jonathan, and explain how. First of all, he didn't meet me at the behest of Siobhan O'Hanlon. He arranged the first meeting himself. Secondly, he talks in that statement... Um, about an episode of, he he says, that I self-harmed in 2000. Jonathan, I have no problem in publicly providing my medical notes. I did not self-harm in 2000, and my medical notes confirm that. And I think that is a despicable detail, personal detail for Jerry, and even though it's inaccurate, but for him to put that out into the public domain, uh, for me as a victim of sexual abuse, I just find that incredible. Um, thirdly, we were living in West Belfast at a time, and I'm sure the journalists and the media can go back and look at Jerry's statements in relation to the RUC and the patent reforms that were taking place around 2000 when he learned of my allegations. Is Jerry Adams seriously expecting the media and other people to believe that in 2000 he was advising people to go to the RUC, and particularly one from a Republican family, and particularly one who the IRA had just come in and, and involved themselves in a case. And I can also um, reveal a detail to yourself, Jonathan, that wasn't in spotlight the other night. Um, for example, um, social services learned of these allegations in 2000 and they came and spoke to a member of my family and I was happy to speak to them. And the IRA and Sinn Féin went into such a panic that they actually brought me to a solicitor in the town. And I was not able to speak to that solicitor, but an IRA person did. And on the basis of what the solicitor was told by that IRA woman, the solicitor provided advice to me. And that advice was that if I went and reported the allegations, that they would seek to um, 
involve themselves um, into looking at the IRA involvement. And, and, you know, there were concerted efforts along the way for years in relation to keeping me quiet um, because every time I threatened publicly to reveal the details of the allegations or to go to the police with those other alleged victims, Jerry Adams popped up and a meeting was requested. And it is my view now that at all times that happened in order to keep me silent. When my family told the IRA that we thought we would go, we, we, we needed to go to the police and it needed to be reported, the IRA got rid of um, the man who was alleged to have abused me and he fled out of the country. Okay. And at that point then, that the access to justice wasn't there for me. News Talk Lunchtime with Jonathan Healy. Thanks to Vodafone. Do business your way with Vodafone Red Business.